Hello, SE Land. This is Twig, Anthony Twig Wheeler. Here we are at episode number 48 of Twig's SE Reflections. Some off-the-top thoughts, reflections, meditations on the process and experience of being a somatic experiencing practitioner, where this work comes from, how cool and groovy it is, what it's like to dance inside of psychobiology. Let's, uh, let's give me a little permission, if I may, to come back to last episode, episode 47, where I was talking here and there about these big grand fires that happened around my my home up in Washington State, largest wildfire in Washington State history, pretty dynamic and real wonderful thing for me to be able to see and be involved in and the things that I did afterwards. And something that I've wanted to share with you since even before those fires came comes from a story that happened before. And and what it was was that, you know, I I had mentioned in earlier episodes, episode number four of SE Reflections here, and then last episode 47, that I'd had a bit of a premonition. You know, I was like, okay, it wasn't a premonition. It was, here is reality looking at you in your face. I had allowed a tremendous amount of brush, a very flammable kind of brush called bitter brush to grow up around my home and my greenhouse and my garage and you know a place in the mountains needs constant attention like that and I had let that go living into the wild as it were as I traveled off with studying with Stephen Hoskinson and following love in Brazil and doing all these wonderful things with SE community people around the world and I needed to go home and take care of some of this so I did last February 2014 and I started gently, you know, the snow was leaving early, another sign that there would be a high fire danger that year. So I was somewhat motivated and working away at it, I realized this was a very big task. I had a lot of work to do. Consequently, I put myself to it. I had a schedule. I would go out. I would work every few days. I would do some work. Then, one day in March, I had a friend over, neighbor, came over, helped me out. We were working at things. It was kind of rainy. We were pulling back. You see, my I should explain, my, my home lives in a meadow, and that meadow was at one time a rye field, farmed out for a rye field for about 50 years. And afterwards, it was let to go as wild rye, or essentially rye that's gone bad. It's not wild. It's it's not wild rye. It's it's feral, I suppose. But it contains, it controls the bull. It, it's the major grass there now. But without having any kind of fire or tending of that land, it had accumulated 30, 40 years now, when I got there, of of the duff, we would say, right? The accumulation of all of this fuel, all of this fuel that would, once ignited, it was clear that it was going to burn like gasoline across the entire mountainside. And so my task, of course, was to try to pull this back and diminish the fuel in what we would, 
you know, consider a fire wise or a fire safe area around my home. You know, maybe, maybe in my case, because I have an orchard and a little bit of a permaculture land, you know, project there, I had quite a bit of clearing to do. But in any case, there was, yeah, okay, there was a lot of work to do. Now, my task was to pull this grass back, collect it into large mounds, and set it alight, kind of burn it off before any big fire ever came, you know. And not 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 easy this day. My friend was over, we were burning. It was hard to get it to go. It was wet, you know. It was a rainy week, I suppose. Okay, we did our best, kind of let the task go for the day. It was more like struggling than necessary, and planned to meet one week later to continue the job yeah one week later it had been sunny it had been dry it hadn't been raining it's still march and well we were out there we were out there in my orchard we were pulling back the grass we were pulling it into mounds we had a little fire going there to kind of burn up the fuel and in our conversation i said Let's not let it go over here because then it would start to take off too fast and we would have a hard time containing it. And about two minutes later, the fire was right there where I had said, let's not go over here. And about two and a half minutes later, the fire was spreading up and toward my house in a big arc, moving toward all of that bitter brush that I just told you about that had grown up around my house. And you know what? I just about panicked. I mean, just about panicked. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. This little fire that I was tending was spreading and I could see along its trajectory the consumption of the entire hillside in front of my house if I didn't get it contained in the next minute or two. It was dramatic. My friend and I were running around and we were raking and I, I didn't have my water set up at the time. It was still early in the winter. The, I ran up to my garage. I pull, It's not the winter yet. It's now spring. But I ran up to my garage and pull out my, my hoses and I get everything just, just moments before it is clear that we could not have contained it ourselves. We were able to put it down, put it out dramatic. My heart was pounding. I was so afraid. I was shaky. My friend stayed around for an hour so that we could really be sure that everything was down. Maybe we had burned um, two weeks worth of what I was doing every few days. It, in 10 minutes, consumed this, this section in front of my zone, maybe a half of an acre of my orchard area. It was... A big deal. Well, you know, what did I do? <laughs> it was a full moon night. I, I worked all night long. I was out there by hand ripping out these bitter brush old growth trees that had grown up by now. They're 10, 12 years old at that point, but but they're big and thick and heavy and I'm, I'm leaning into them and crashing them out of there and making gigantic piles, big collections of all of these bitter brush stems and and I worked on that, as you might imagine, working my fight response, my, my self-protective response 
for days just working, working, working night, day, through the full moon night. Very relieving to get that work done, the immediate, the immediate zone right around my house. And you know, as I was as I was working on it, I was thinking about you all and me and us SE people, because I really had the feeling that I had just witnessed a perfect example of what it's like to accumulate stress, what it's like to accumulate signal that will move to the next signal in what we might call an overcoupled kind of fashion and take a spark and race it across you know a system a landscape and mike in the case of my fire um, in the case of an accumulated stress person with accumulated stress in the nervous system with just a whole lot of noise in there a whole lot of signal that's saying something 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 is wrong and the more of that there is there the easier it is for the notion the sensation the thought the feeling to signal across all of that noise into a conflagration you know the solution for me over the next two or three weeks after my accidental fire that almost got out of my control and really showed me just how important it was to change my approach and not be quite so lackadaisical of oh i'll just tend to the fire and keep it from going over there no I couldn't just tend to the fire and keep it from going over there. It did get out of my control. And it would have continued to go out of my control if I hadn't been able to work fast enough to catch it. At some point, it would have been, could have been completely overwhelming, right? Well, the solution was that for several weeks afterwards, I would make fire lines before I would take on trying to clear out or burn a section of my, my, my land there that I needed to clear. So rather than just walking off into the meadow and starting a little pile and starting to burn it and then moving to another little pile and starting to burn it, I would instead go off into the area that I needed to clear the accumulated duff from, all that accumulated fuel, and I would score the land around it. I would make a very solid fire line, a very clear and concise containing area that even if inside of this 10 foot by 10 foot kind of square that I was establishing as a safety zone, it would, it would be separate. And if a fire broke off in there and I couldn't contain it inside of that little area, it wouldn't have the opportunity to jump because of the nice buffer that I was creating by scratching back the land in this way, making these fire lines. And, you know, as I made those night after night, I would just think that's just exactly how it goes when we're working with global high activation kind of stuff with real easy and friable. One thing leads to the next and it's all out of our control. When we're working with people, maybe even ourselves sometimes, where all the paths lead into the same response each time. When we see that likelihood for conflagration, where one step into the content leads to the entire hillside burning up, one step into the storyline leads us to racing 
through the entire story and and not knowing what it's going to take to maintain stability as we go through there and, and really risking that things might completely blow. It's just so much good reason and rationale to make it so that we can establish safe places to go first, to make it so that we can set up patterns that if things accelerate, we're allowed and given the opportunity to pause them so that they can settle down again before racing on. In our work, what does that mean? Well, we might contract, right? We might say, oh, you know, I'm going to pause us sometime and interrupt us and have us look around or settle or whatnot, you know, and that's one way to do it. Hopefully the more elegant we do that, the better. Hopefully we don't do that unnecessarily. Hopefully we, we're we not intrusive on people's experience. You're doing it wrong. Let's stop that. Let's do it this other way. Hopefully we're avoiding those. But yet even just establishing the contract gives us the opportunity that we might, if we need to, pause somebody so that we don't just let that fire keep going until the moment that it's out of our control and we can't stop it. We might contract beforehand. We might simply establish that, okay, well, there's that all of this that we need to talk about, all of these things that we're going to get to look at together. And at the same time, let's learn these skills over here together so that we'll be more competent and, and capable when we get into those, those concerns that you have that have been bothering you for so long and are likely to bother you again, let's make sure that we have some new skills when we approach those together. That's kind of a contract, but you might pre-establish some skills so that you're actually building in the capacity for, say, pauses and deactivation and whatnot. And then another fireline kind of thing that we might do is simply always trying our best to not feed the fire by chasing the activation that's inside of there. Not to say that we're trying to avoid activation, but definitely to recognize that a lackadaisical kind of sense of things. Oh, let's just walk off into the meadow here, twig, and, and you know, make a little pile on a dry day. Even if it was rainy last week, let's just go out here and, and, and light this up and see how it goes. Well, you know how it went. It went one thing to the next where I almost burned down my house. Let's not do that. Let's not just walk willy-nilly out into somebody's story. We don't know what happened out there. Let's pay attention. Let's pay attention as we're going out there. How much do I know this person? How, how much have I seen or what have I seen of what this person is able to do? Does their storyline pendulate on its own? When I watched them walk in here, was there the sense of, you know, motility and mobility? Or is there a sense of struggle inside of the physicality? If we, if we walk off into the, into the landscape with a person and we say to them with ourselves, how is he or she doing? How are things moving through for them? In the first two minutes here, do I get the, the sense that, that it might actually be pretty challenging for them to hold back their feeling states or to be involved in their feeling states? Well, if so, let's make sure that we think about, like, do we have things in place to truly just be walking right into a person's storyline or right into, let me ask you to go ahead and feel that and just really feel into that. We might want to, I wonder if I could ask you to just feel into that for a moment, just feel that for a moment and then come out and tell me what happened. So as to get a little bit of a sense, is this going to work out before just lighting it all and seeing where it goes next? One of the things that we get to do in somatic experiencing is 
is look into nature for metaphors. I got a really good metaphor from my mountainside when I started a little fire and it almost got away from me. And all that I would have had to have done first was make little breaks so that we could take on each little piece at a time. Lessons learned. Okay, episode number 48 here. Thanks for listening. Hope you're taking care and be well. Bye now. How about you? You ever think about nature metaphors in your SE thoughts? Ah, it's good stuff, right? You're draining your bathtub sometime and there's a vortex swirling down the drain? Make you think all over again. Maybe, maybe someday we all, we all collect every nature metaphor and SE thought combination we've ever heard of and put them in a big, big place where everybody can think about them and feel them together. Wouldn't that be, would that be a good idea? I'll throw some in. You too, huh? Get up, get up. Keep in touch now. Get up, get up. Twig waving bye.